Now, it's no secret that most believers have authority, but it is usually under, say under, developed. And if we really tell ourselves the truth, so I'm going to tell myself the truth. My, when I said that, when I wrote this down, I had to laugh because my husband used to say, he said, now the one person I'm never going to lie to is myself. It's a terrible thing when you lie to yourself. It's hard to get out of that once you start lying to yourself. Because it's nothing like you deceiving yourself, believing something is that's not. And you know it's not. Mm. If we tell ourselves the truth, we know that it is difficult to really stand in the face of our adversities or our adversary and wage a good warfare and win. Just hold on. So my assignment this morning is to help you see behind the veil of fear. Have you ever been faced with issues in your life that just kind of stun you? Sure you have. All of us have. You know that you get bad news or something happens unexpectedly? Okay. Wait. Hold on. Let me put my disclaimer out. Now I got to kill this fly first. Before I go any further, because me and flies don't get along. God might have made it, but God made, gave me authority over it. And if you stay there long enough, I'm going to kill you, fly. Here is my disclaimer. I am only ministering to people who are going through something and want to know how to come out. Number two, I don't care what your situation might be, be it sickness, court issue, finances, marriage, it does not matter. If you really desire victory and need insight, then I want to minister to you today. If you think you have everything under control and don't need what I'm about to teach, then you sit there and intercede for those who need this word. Because you can do that one because you got the victory already. Hallelujah. Now, if you really want to know what to do next, stay tuned and stay turned on. Don't go to sleep in church today. Now, I'm not going to finish this. I, already, I put it in my notes to remind myself to say this. I know I'm not going to finish it today. So keep coming back. First of all, we must acknowledge and accept that we have authority given to us by God himself. We must accept that we have authority. It doesn't happen just because you're born again. Yes, it's part of your legacy. It's part of your inheritance. But you must acknowledge it and accept it. That I have authority given to me by God himself. And he needs me to function in that authority. God needs me to function in my authority. Not just know I have it, but to function in it. What's the point of knowing I got it and never use it? Now listen, can't nobody run the devil out of your house like you. See, what we do a lot of times, now you can bring your situation before me. I can add my effectual measure of faith. And we bust the devil up, down, upside and downside in here, kick him in the butt, praying you be free. But the devil know I ain't going home with you. 
<laughs> he knows I'm not going to go home with you. And he knows, say he knows. He knows. Say he knows, how. he knows how. To call on you tomorrow. <laughs> and give you worse news. Or keep reminding you of the negative situation you said you believe you were delivered from. Just the day before when you were standing in front of me, you believed that you were delivered. Now it's in your house, tomorrow is in your house. And the devil said, <laughs> you think that thing of, oh, I still feel that little ache. I thought I was healed. Mm. Now there is what we call a God of fear. See, the devil has agents, and he gives them titles, just like we have in the church. He gives them titles. It's called the God of fear. Now, if anybody that understands Greek uh, mythology and stuff like that, I'm not deep in it, but I do some study on it from time to time. There is a God of fear, and he has a name. And frustration, fear and frustration has been released against the body of Christ. Fear and frustration. You got to understand the times we're living in. So what is the name of God, the name of the God of fear? It is called Pan. That is actually a Greek mythology name. P-A-N, Pan. This is where we get our word panic. Now, who is Pan? He is depicted as an able musician with a terrible temper. <laughs> he likes and enjoys loud, very loud, chaotic music. He likes chaos in general. So you can actually say, in other words, chaos is his normal. That's the way they really know him, because he likes things in a chaotic stage. Mm. He can incite panic, which is a mindless fear or rage. When you're in a panic mode, you're not thinking. You are reacting. You are not thinking. You are reacting. That's what panic does. It makes you react instead of think. And it's designed to do that. It has been said that his presence made people panic when seemingly in a dark, lonely place. Although he is not against tearing or shredding people apart. Once he gets through making fun of you, then he'll shred you to pieces. He is an agent of Satan that is sent to make you panic or lose hope. We're living in, the Bible says we're living in perilous times. Is the Bible right or is the Bible right? The Bible is truly right. So what this demonic agent does, he mounts up situations and circumstances in a conglomerate. Say conglomerate. Now what is a conglomerate? A conglomerate is a group of things. Uh, it's a number of different things, rather, grouped together to form a whole, but remain distinct entities. So he can put a lot of things together and group them and make it one whole situation. Watch how he did it in our nation. 
First, it was COVID. And as soon as it began to fizzle out, then we got gas shortage, food shortage, and now monkeypox. It's a conglomerate. See, these are distinct entities, but they formed but formed as a conglomeration so that each one would come after the other with the intent to weaken our faith and to deprive us of our authority. It's not a happenstance all this stuff is taking place. And we got to stop acting like, okay, well, this is something, we got to do this. You're in a panic mode, and I'm trying to press the button to get you out. Stop reacting and settle down and hear the Spirit of God. We're running and we're doing and we, and we got to go get a new shot. We got to get this and we got to get that and we got to do that. Oh, we got to wear the, oh, we're going back to the mask again. We're going this. We're, you're in a panic mode. Settle down and hear by the Spirit of God what to do. Because the whole problem, the whole key is, is to lock the church up. See, it's not against the world as much as it is against the church. And I just read to you in First, in, in first Peter, you, you're a peculiar people, you're a royal priesthood. They always go after the priests and, and the leaders first. Didn't y'all know that? But this, this, this conglomerate is designed to weaken our faith and deprive us of our authority. Why? Because once the voice of authority is silenced, he is free to destroy. There is nothing that is keeping him from destroying whenever you silence your authority. You got to get out of that panic mode. Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Hmm. When you have it, say, I have it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. So, okay, hold on. You mean I have an enemy. What's an adversary? This is an opponent that is seeking to destroy you. He's just not trying to get you out of the fight. He's trying to destroy you. It says, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Remember that word devour? He want to slurp you up. When he finish, after making you out of mealy mouth, he wants to slurp you up. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? That we got a command here. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So it says, you got to take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of trouble you endure. Here's what we've had in the problem in America. We think what we're dealing with now is an isolated incident. And it's not. This is happening all over the world. It's just happening right now in America. See, this, this has been happening to believers all the time in other nations. Poverty, killing, socialism has been happening in nations all the time. But what we did as believers over here in America, most believe, not everybody, if this not you, I'm not talking about you. 
We ignored what was happening to the believers in other nations. And if you be honest, we didn't even pray for them. We have a hard time staying in prayer for Israel. So we know you don't pray for other nations. Because we fail to understand they're our brothers and sisters, and they have been going through this hellacious stuff for years. But now it's touching America. Where is the strong Christian? Hmm. So we just ignore what was happening to those believers, or they didn't, <clears throat> or we didn't even know how to fight for their rights to serve God. We didn't even stand in, and we could have just prayed 15 minutes a day, believing God and interceding. Do you not know somebody in another nation might have prayed for you to get born again? You didn't get born again on your own. Somebody was standing in the gap, believing for lives to be saved. So the anointing can be sent in that environment. Somebody exercised their authority against the warfare that was bothering you so you could get born again. You don't have a right to sit in the church with all this power in you and do nothing. And do absolutely nothing. But now it's touching us. So how are we going to respond? We have been commanded to not panic. In other words, Jesus told Jairus, don't fear, we're going to read that account. We must stand up against situations, circumstances that we are facing as a nation as well as individuals. Let me say it. Let me say this. If you want to win, you can. And the devil can't stop you. How bad do you want it? I am working with the Holy Spirit this morning, and I am going to do my best to get this message over to you. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to do in you what is necessary so that you can hear what he needs you to know. Amen? I said again, I will not complete it today. I have to give it to you so you can chew on this part and digest this first. Then we'll keep giving you doses until you have taken in the whole matter. Amen? So don't get frustrated. Don't get offended. If you're a believer indeed, then you're saying amen. Even if you ain't done all your part, you're still saying amen. Because that's the way I am. You know, if I get correct, I have to correct you. Listen, before we can wage a good warfare and win, we must know something about our enemy. See, if you don't know your enemy, you can't strategize a defense or an offense against someone you don't know. In sports, not only do a team study what they did in a game, but they also look at what the other team did so they'll know how to win against them. You got to look at it from both sides so, so they can strategize how to defeat them in the next game. Because you know a scuffle is coming. You know another game is coming. You know a trial is going to come. You have an adversary. You know trials was part of his, his M.O. Why do we pretend like when stuff come against us that we had no idea? Ooh. 
Now let me say that you don't need to do a study on demonology, but you do need to study the word where Jesus exercised authority over demons. That's enough on demonology for you right now. You learned that one. Turn to Mark chapter 5. Let's look at verse 1. Hmm. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gerasenes, Gerasenese, however you want to pronounce that word. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately, say immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Mm. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So what it's what saying, nobody in that area could help him. Was it a priest in town anywhere? Nobody could help this guy. Mm. Look at verse 5. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Woo, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Lord, help us to get this right. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. These are the demons talking out. That ain't the man talking in this, not, in this normal way. The demons were, when Jesus, the, the anointing showed up and authority showed up and the demons were beginning to torment. Then they had been tormenting the man. They didn't mind tormenting him. But when Jesus showed up, don't torment me. <laughs> Authority showed up on the scene. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, legion means mob. He had a whole mob of demons, not just one or two. He had a whole mob of demons living in him. And the people had gotten accustomed to him being that way. Or oh, that's just crazy Sam hollering. Nobody even approached to do anything against what was happening with him because they didn't think they had the power to do anything. Like some of you, you see things happening and you don't use any spiritual dominion. I know I'm talking nice about you. That's because I love you. So legion means mobs, and mobs arise to cause fear. You look at what's happening in our nation today. Everywhere you go is a mob, a shooting. 
These are designed, this is part of the conglomerate to keep fear, to keep panic alive. The where next thing you, I ain't going to the store. They're going to have to bring it to me. That's going to be your next thing. You're going to be so afraid you won't even go to the mall. You ain't going to go nowhere. You're going to stay locked up in your house. Did I say something? Yep. But in the face of one with authority, authority demons bow. I'm taking my time this morning on purpose because I want you to hear what I'm saying. Because it's time to use our authority. And look what it said. And in verse 10 it said, and he besought him. So there must have been one spokesman for all the demons. And, he's, and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. So why didn't them demons want to leave the region? Tell me why didn't they want to leave that region? Because the people in the region had to learn to live with this behavior. They have been, they have been welcome. When, whenever you learn to accept something, you can't get rid of it. Anything you're willing to live with and put up with, you can't get rid of it. And you need to know that and stop lying to yourself. Don't ever lie to you. Anything you're willing to live with, you can't get rid of it. And these people, the demons felt comfortable in that region. That's why they didn't want to leave. Because nobody did anything to get rid of them. <laughs> and Jesus said, well, you know. So Jesus gave them permission. They said, I tell you what they said. Watch this. He said that there was a, there was not until the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. See, because they are destructive nature, something has to be destroyed. Demons don't come to be nice and friendly. They're, it's always destructive. I don't care if he come like a light, dressed in a white suit, with gold teeth and chains hanging about his neck, and he got a sports car, riding real smooth and talking all this. No, it's still a demon. And it says, there was a mountain nearby, and a great herd of swine was feeding. And all the devils, say all the devils. Say all the devils. That means all of them started hollering out in because first there was one spokesperson. Now all of them saying, begging him, begging Jesus, send us into the swine. We don't care nothing about the animal. <laughs> that we may enter into them. And forthwith, Jesus gave them permission, or he gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And look what happened. A mass suicide. Two thousand pigs died all in the same time. Man, can you imagine what the Jew was that was keeping them pigs, he ran into the city. Now, that's unusual in itself, that a Jew raising pigs. So you know he won't raise them for himself. He was raising to sell it to the heathen because they were not allowed to eat pig. But they knew how to make money. <laughs> and, 
And when you understand money, you don't give, you don't just sell stuff to the people you know. You got to know the market you're in. So this man lost 2,000 pigs at one time. We got a mass suicide going on here. Oh, you actually you say a mass murder because the pigs didn't volunteer to kill themselves. Doesn't it look like what we're living in today? And they're not just willing to kill one person and themselves. They want to get where there's a whole lot of people so it can stand there. They got to make the news. They got to make the news. It's just got to make the news. One person is not enough. You don't make the news with one person. As though that's, a, as though that's right. It's not. Murder is wrong. But we the believer got to do something about it. And they begin to beg, say, don't, 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 just, just let me go to the pigs. Let me kill the pigs, but don't, don't send me out of this region. Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out of the man, and they entered in the pigs, and the, the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and just drowned. One after the other. So we are warring against demonic spirits. We are not warring against people. We are warring against demonic spirits. And you got to stop looking at who the devil is using as the voice and go behind the veil and deal with the spirit that is using the man or using the person. Now, I heard one I heard, uh, what was the name? Uh, I forgot the president's name now. But uh, 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 anyway, he announced back some years ago that there was a president was going to come in America and it was going to be a woman as a vice president. And they announced that in the, in the middle of his term, he was going to die. Now, that's the world prophesying about their own people. See, they already know. See, they got people set up for different things. This is why you need to pray. You're in a nation where demonic activity is coming against it very strong. You need to pray. Now, if that, if that has any validity to it, and it seems like it does, how many of you pray for Biden, President Biden? You have to. Even if he doesn't take heed, it's still our assignment to pray. We don't have to like what he does because I don't. And I mean, you know, the devil has used him as a liar. And I'm saying to myself, how many more times he got to lie before people understand he's a liar? How deceived is the church to keep understanding that once a man lied to you and keep running? How many more times he got to lie to you? Just like he lied and said, if you get the shot, you won't get COVID. Well, we saw that ain't true. How many more things he going to tell us? That's not truth. And we're going to hold fast just because we're stubborn. And we don't want to say we are wrong. Woo, Jesus. This is not about you being right or wrong. This is about our nation. This is about a man sitting in an office with the potential to die and go to hell. How many are you going to believe for his life? 
or we're going to sit back and hope he died quick. You got a lot of believers that are hoping he just go on out to sing. They make jokes of him. And I mean, you know, this is America. You can have your opinions. But as Christians, we are the authority in the earth. Mm. And we must know that we are in a war against demonic spirits. So therefore, we have to know our weaponry. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look at verse 5 and 6. See, there, there's something I'm, I'm leading up to, but I, I can't. I'm not, I know I'm not going to get to it today, but we, we got to open this door because why? We're in a very dangerous point as a nation. And while you're attorney there, I just want you to know that Pastor DJ and myself, we've already discussed it, but we will be uh, probably next week or the, very soon after that opening a storage unit. And we're going to start receiving uh, canned goods. Now, for your own house, don't go in the store and try to buy everything up at one time. But just buy extras and begin to have yourself. Because we're going to go through at least three months of lean time. Not panic. But the church have to tell you these things so you can be aware and go ahead and bone up on it. Amen? So when you go to the store, you know, if you got a deep freezer, buy something and put something aside. You ain't got to buy every chicken in the store at this time. Come on, come on, come on. Leave something for somebody else. But just start buying extras. Buy things that are non-perishable, mostly. So that when we have those lean months, you have to eat. But don't do it in fear. Pastor said, we got to get some canned goods in the house. We're going to go out and buy this and this. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. Don't you panic about this. You better not. Are you at 2 Corinthians? Chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. One translation reads like this. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as we choose complete obedience. Oh, now we got, now we got a criteria. It means you got to be ready to obey yourself. In other words, don't tell nobody else not to be afraid and you scared as a rat. Don't preach what you ain't ready to live, in, in other words. That's what they're saying. Don't preach what you ain't willing to do. Mm. And why did he give us this verse? Because our warfare is spiritual, not fleshly. The devil will have you responding to each attack in panic mode. Instead of you responding from your kingdom authority. You might want to write this down. Wherever fear dominates, faith is depleted or absent. You're not going to find faith present. 
when fear is dominating. Now listen, go to Ephesians 6.12. I'm going to come to a close in just a moment. Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, this is not about the physical man you're looking at. This is not about President Biden. This is not about Kamala Harris. This is not about Donald Trump. This is not about, it's about you, the believer. This war has been strategized against the church. And in doing so, it will destroy the nation to get to the church. See, the devil doesn't care, just like he destroyed the pigs. When he can't have his way, he got to destroy something. So when he can't get through to the church, he wants to destroy the nation. But what are we going to do? This nation has been given unto the children of God. I don't want to see my nation destroyed and we go down to where we can't hardly have anything and people living in poverty. They take all your resources and you got to depend on them for everything from water to toilet paper to toothbrush. You got to depend on them to hand you out something. That's where it's going. You go and look up Venezuela. Look up Sri Lanka. What's the name of the country? What? Sri Lanka. Look them up. See what happened to those very prosperous nations that accepted socialism. And stop being blinded by what you're hearing on the news. Turn it off because it's demonic. It's demonic. And I know you're watching that 6 o'clock news. What for? It's not going to give you anything good. And it's going to run it down all your Christian values. I've never seen so many Christians so entangled in that system of having to hear what they have to say. And then you watch all those gossip shows, because that's what I call them, gossip shows. They're giving you false information how to live. What they know about living? What Oprah know about living? What Steve Harvey know about living? When they got the worst lives behind the scene you ever seen in your life, go check it out. A man that had three wives and still struck. Look, he ain't got a whole lot to say to me. Now, he might be rich, and that's the fault of the church. We follow people that are rich, not right. That's the fault of the church because we so money hungry. Instead of getting rich through the word. I ain't let nobody sit down and counsel me. Just so they can have ratings. I mean, y'all see some of the court shows. By the time you get through them, going like, y'all, what's wrong with y'all? You coming up and telling all your stuff on TV. And I mean, I watch Return of the Court and I'm going like, oh, Jesus, y'all just nasty. You come up there and tell folks you done been with everybody in the town just about, and you talking about this is the daddy. Come on. You don't know. But we're living in this hour. But where is the church? Where is the church? The real church.
See, God is separating the wheat from the tares. And you got to get ready because this, this is probably one of the things that, that I'm going to say right now that I might talk about later. You got to be ready to lose people that you care about in order to stand for your principles. But see, that's why you can't be wishy-washy. You can't try to drag everybody into this arena because they don't want to go. Everybody's not going to see what you see. The most you can do for them is pray. But you can't keep hanging out with people. That's going to feed you fear. I don't. I love you. I help you if I can. But eh, you're not my homie. Let's get it straight. Because I, I, I can't hang out with people on a daily basis. That's all they're doing is feeding on fear. Can't do it. It's going to corrupt and contaminate my faith. And when it's time for me to stand for what I need, I don't have none. Because they have drained it out of me. Listening to that mess day in. See, that's, that's a conglomerate. You don't ever forget that word. It's a group of things formed as one whole. With, but they still maintain their distinct entity. So you don't have to take a whole lot of stuff. Just depending on who you got a lot of dependency in. See, I learned years ago. That's the one thing I had, the Lord had to teach me. It, it didn't come easy. I had to learn to be by myself. And stand on this word, whether somebody else believed it or not. I had to acknowledge and accept this word as the truth. And whatever God said, that's why when Casey sung that song this morning, I was really, really happy. Because I'm going like, whatever, I was in my bedroom and hollering. What happened to the Christian that said, if God said it, that settled it and it's done. And when she got in the I'm going like, hmm. That girl in my prayer closet. That's the way I grew up. If God said it, that's what you do. You accept that. You don't have to quiz it 99 times. The world taught us to ask all these dumb questions. And you still don't get the answer you're looking for. Because it's in Jesus. All right. Let me get back to this point here. It says... It says, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And it says in verse 13, because of this, I'm reading out the, the Passion Translation. You must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. How many of you know the devil's a slanderer? He'll lie to you. See that what slander does? Slander is a deliberate lie. He's still a liar. i say it again in case you don't understand. Slander. S-L-A-N-D-E-R. Go look it up. It is a deliberate lie with the intent to injure somebody's character or influence. It's deliberate. How many deliberate lies have we been told that are designed to injure us? It says, that's why you got to suit up in the arm of God. Because that's your only protection as you confront this liar. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. We're going to rise victorious as we obey. Going down to verse 14. I'm going to keep reading this out of the Passion Translation. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you 
to stand in triumph. See, you got to stop listening to the, the new world age stuff that's been slipping into the body of Christ and giving you a little dose of poison with the word. Weakening your faith so you never have power. Telling you you don't have to do certain things anymore. That's old. You ain't got to live whole because we got, we got this and we got that. And we ain't none of that no more. We ain't got to look, we ain't got to look like we say. Now, this is a freebie. Y'all can get offended if you want to. Guess what? I don't care. I don't hear nothing about y'all bikinis. It's a bra and a pair of panties with some stretch fabric. That's the only difference. Would you wear that to work? Then why would you expose yourself in a public venue with a bra and your drawers? With your holy self. See, God didn't tell you to dress that way. You accepted that. That's from the world. Who in the world in the right mind want to show that much of their body? Like you all there in a bag of chips. Come on. Let's be real. Girl, go get that real bathing suit. You know. That one that cover up for Jesus. You can still swim. You can still look pretty. You just ain't got to be unholy. Holiness is a part of our weaponry. And we got to come back to the standard of holiness. Woo, Jesus. Watch it says. Because in the same verse, it says to put on holiness. Verse 14 in the King James says, put on righteousness. I think that's what it says. But it says, put on holiness as a protective armor that covers your heart. Woo, Jesus. See, these weapons are designed so that we don't get injured in our heart by things. Okay, the devil's shooting at you. Put on holiness. Put on, put on that breastplate of righteousness. Put that breastplate on. Put on holiness. Okay, God, you know what? If you said, I don't, if I don't need it, I don't need it. I ain't got to have it. It don't matter that much to me. I don't have to wear that. I don't have to use that. I don't have to be popular. I want to be right. And I'm not going to dress so casually in my mind that people can't make a difference between me and thee. When I go in the store or when I go into the bank, I am respected. Not because they think I'm old, because most of them don't know my age. And I ain't about to tell them. They think I'm in my 40s. Hallelujah. Whatever. I said, thank you for the compliment. I ain't lying. Thank you for the compliment. But I'm respected. When I come in, and they, they don't do the stuff they do to other people. Because I got a standard. The standard of righteousness. Mm. You got to get that back in your, in your everyday lifestyle. Then verse 15, stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. See, you got to be alert. Say, I got to be alert. Now, in every battle, verse 16, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. 
Verse 17 and 18. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. You better embrace all that salvation has provided for you. Like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. See, you got to embrace the helmet of salvation. Cover your head with it. I refuse to receive lies today. And then I'm going to make sure I don't lie out of my mouth. Because when I lie, I open the door for lies to be told to me. And I'm breaking down my armor each time I lie. Ooh. My armor is getting weak. Something can get penetrated when I don't uphold the standards of this armor. Embrace the power of salvation, full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the might of razor-sharp spirit, sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit. Get back to praying in the Holy Ghost. If you're already doing it, praise God. Keep right on doing it. But believers, get back to praying in the Holy Ghost. Don't make that a side hobby where you pray every now and then. Once a week you pray in tongues. No. This got to become your lifestyle. When you're sitting down and you're just watching TV, you can pray under your breath, praying in the Holy Ghost. And God will download every opportunity. The Bible said pray without ceasing. What kind of prayer? Now just talk in English. Pray in the Holy Ghost without ceasing. Because that's going to protect your thoughts. It's going to protect your heart. It's going to protect the word that you're hearing. It says, pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all believers. Oh, so you're supposed to be praying for me to be blessed like I pray for you to be blessed. Oh, glory to God. See, it ain't supposed to be all this schism. You know, when I hear about somebody here getting something or being promoted or they get something, a new house or a new car, I am so elated. That tells me you, you got something working in your life. I ain't trying to compete with it. I had somebody ask me some time ago, are you going to get a new car? Yeah. I ain't paying for it. I can believe for it. I got a car. It drives good. It may not look as pretty as you want it to look, but it's my car. It's good on gas. Gets me everywhere I need to go, apart from me being a chauffeur. You know, I like being a chauffeur. That's all my children. <laughs> they don't tell you the other side. Tell the flip side. Yeah, no. Tell the flip side. Keep right on talking. Yeah. Uh-huh, Because uh-huh, uh-huh. mama believe in helping. See, I'm not that kind of mama that just take advantage of the children. I'm not like that. I'll fill your tank up if I ride with you. See, you want me in your car. I got enough to fill it up and ain't scared of the price up there. That's right. See, because I taught y'all last Sunday, it was Wednesday night, last Sunday, one of them, that I put money aside to be a blessing. That's the way you, that's the way you train yourself in finances. You put money aside so when God speaks to you, you have something to give somebody. You can't, you can't take all your money and spend it. So embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. We're going to come to a close. 
like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the might of razor sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all believers. And pray also that God's revelation will be released through me. That every time I preach, the wonderful mystery of God or the, mist of the wonderful mystery of the hope-filled gospel will come out. Ooh. Don't you stop praying for me. See, Jesus knew who he was warring against. See, the Father would tell him, and then he would use him to get done what God needed done. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. I do whatever the Father, what I see the Father do, and I say what he tell me to say. And that's all he did. So when Jesus encountered the demoniac over there, Jesus knew that was going to happen. He came prepared. Are you prepared? When you walk out that door and there's somebody in need in prayer, are you prepared? Now, don't start dealing with your little past stuff, the little mess. I ain't prayed enough this week. Get over that. And go out, get your mind ready to go to work. See, that's pride. Mm -hmm. That's pride. That excuse is full of pride. Saying, I ain't prayed enough. That's well, pray now. One more scripture and we're getting to go. Woo, I'm about ready. Turn to Luke 8, verse 40. This is a very familiar passage about Jairus. You can read it. I'm not going to read all of it. Jairus was a man, a leader of the local Jewish congregation, and he desperately wanted Jesus to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, who, who was his only child, because she was at the point of death. Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her, and, but there was a very huge crowd surrounding him. And in that crowd was a woman who had been suffering for 12 years. And then that's something. She'd been suffering 12 years, and Jairus' daughter 12 years, from slow bleeding. Even though she had spent all that she had on doctors, she was still suffering. So, you know, the doctor don't always have your answer. If you got to go to the doctor, you go to the doctor, but, but go in faith. You'll know who you sin before. <laughs> and they may not always advise you correctly. Ooh, Jesus. So pressing in through the crowd, I'm just fast forwarding. She came up behind Jesus and touched his prayer shawl, the tassel on his prayer shawl. And instantly her bleeding stopped and she was healed. Now Jesus stopped and said to his disciples, somebody touch me. It's kind of like when the babies come up. And sometimes I'm talking and I can feel them at my leg or on my knee or grabbing my hand or grabbing my grapes or my cheeses. <laughs> sometimes I'm not really fully paying attention, but I can see them in my peripheral. Jesus knew somebody had drawn virtue out of him. So we see that took place. Jesus replied, said, yes, I did. I felt power leave me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they received their healing, is what Jesus said. 
When the woman realized that she couldn't hide any longer, she came forth and she told Jesus everything. Jesus responded and said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith, not your fear. Not your fear that, well, if I get there, he might heal me. If I get there, uh, uh, but I'm so, t- I'm so weak, I'm, I'm about to die. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, one day, well, you know what, I believe he can heal me. And then you go back home, but I'm still bleeding. We'll see you at the mortuary. Because that's where that usually ends up. When people talk like that, they usually die. Not because they couldn't be healed. Not because healing wasn't released. They had a hard time receiving. Now, Jairus, in the meantime, what's Jairus doing? Now, the, the word said, word come. His, his servant come to him and said, Jairus, ain't no need of bothering the master any further. Your daughter is D-E-A-D, dead. She ain't dying. She is dead. She's gone. When Jesus heard this, he said to Jairus, what did he say? Don't panic. Don't panic, Jairus. Don't panic. Don't yield to your fear. Jairus, don't yield to your fear. Have faith in me, and she will live again. See, the woman with issue of blood interrupted the plan Jesus had to go to Jairus' house. And while she's being healed and restored, Jairus gets this word that his daughter's dead. Jesus immediately turned to Jairus and commanded him. He did not suggest to him. He commanded Jairus, fear not. Don't give way to fear. Why? That announcement that your daughter is dead was part of the conglomerate. It was designed to attack Jairus' faith. Woo, Jesus. See, that announcement was part of the conglomerate that the devil had devised against Jairus to cause him to doubt Jesus. Jesus was trying to keep Jairus from having kind of hope. Oh, I hope so. Because if he went into that realm of, well, I hope so, his daughter was going to stay dead. And ain't nothing Jesus can do. Because the daughter didn't come actually be here. The father is staying in the place of the child. And what the father believed, what's going to determine what happened to his daughter? Woo, Jesus. Far too long. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something before I close? Far too long. I'm going to read it just like the Lord gave it to me. We have been trying to get manifestation over top of fear that ends up being con or hope. But it's fear dominated. I am not saying that you would not be attacked with the opportunity to be afraid. That's not uncommon. It does not mean that you are not in faith because you are being attacked. Remember the conglomerate? This technique is used over and over and over and over again against a believer. And it's time the plan gets exposed. Fear is an invitation for the devil to follow through with his plan for your demise. Now, what we do with that invitation of fear determines our outcome. However, here's the problem we are facing. Most Christians are so used to being scared that when fear comes, we don't want to deal with it. 
We hope it will just automatically go away. We get comfortable living with fear. So we allow it to linger or exist in our present while trying to confess the word, sowing seed to get a manifestation, all the while allowing fear to remain. So we end up going through the motions or the act as though we are in faith, but never in faith. When Jesus told Jairus not to fear, this means don't let fear have any influence over what you ask me to do. Don't allow fear to have influence over what you ask me to do. Whew, that was powerful. Mm. Now, God has given, is given us a very profound revelation about fear. The word fear is a complex word. It is not just a word in singular form that we hear. We have used it that way, but fear has many aliases. And in so many cases, we have allowed the alias to give us their definition of what their new name is, which is designed to protect the real spirit, the spirit of fear. That's the real culprit. So we don't get rid of fear because it never gets exposed. Because we keep calling the new aliases by what it's defined itself. I'm shy. No, you're scared. That's fear. Ain't nobody in this room shy. Hit the right button and we see that your shyness will leave. This is all I'm going to give you today. Join us the next time as we expose the spirit of fear. Did you learn anything today?